0: but forgot to do church on the way. And he barged past six or seven people where he could have been church in his pursuit to get to church. And the reality is, friends, that God has called us to be church 24-7. We have people sometimes saying, this church, well, all you're bothered about is Sunday morning. It could not be further from the truth. The reality is, friends, that Sunday morning is all about Monday morning and Tuesday morning and Thursday night. And Wednesday, when you're in that traffic jam, and when you're doing the taxi run to get your kids to dancing class or wherever it is, and when those days have gone wrong, and when you're playing sport, and when you're in context of social conversations, that is what this morning is all about. It's to equip us, to empower us, to strengthen us, and to set us up to continually be the church in the context that God has placed us. And many people sometimes will constrain us, try and limit us, and say, let's stay here and just do nice church. But actually we need to grab the heart of Jesus say, no, God has called us to continually go because we want to see his kingdom come and his kingdom grow. It's all about people. And it's not without significance on this third vision morning that we celebrate believers' baptism. And in a few moments, Russ and Lynn and Morgan and Martin are going to be baptized. And they're sort of predominantly from our Mansfield congregation, Morgan's sort of around everything, but him and his... Him and his family have committed to Mansfield right from week one and have been awesome. And we honour all of that. And as we were, we were worshipping this morning, I just felt prophetically that this is something that we shouldn't miss this morning. Because I saw these people as soldiers on a ship. They were warriors. They carried a warrior spirit. And they, they'd crossed the sea. And the sea had sometimes been choppy. And the reality is, friends, that when you seek to repurpose something and redefine something, sometimes there's choppy waters for instance, the place that we're meeting in Mansford, we got locked out of. Not because we'd done anything wrong, but other people f- fell out. And we've had choppy waters along the way. But the reality is, I saw this ship arriving at a secure place to establish a bridgehead. And to move forward in advancing ground. And I think this is prophetically significant this morning. Because what people are praying over, not only in this context, but also at the one, two junctions up the motorway, is this. This is the start of just something big. This is something that establishes a spiritual bridgehead this morning that tens and hundreds are going to come in on behind and are going to celebrate it by saying they're going to follow Jesus Christ in baptism. So Russ, Lynn, Martin, Morgan, we honour you this morning because something significant is taking place in the house as you get baptised. Because it's all about people being changed. Someone said this, that the church exists for those who have not yet joined it. Now, as as a pastor teacher, I sort of get... It's not quite true, you know, because we've sort of got to quick people as well. But the reality is, friends, I don't want to run from that statement. Because a Arena Church exists for all those who have not yet come to it. So when I drove past the, the Orsworth bypass this morning, people were doing church, their church, in the field. On my right-hand side, there were a lot of cars there. It was a car boot sale. I want to see some of those folks here. I want to see God moving on people's lives so that they would want to prioritise him in all that they do. And Arena Church, friends, is all about people. Let me say that again. Arena Church is all about people. Why do we want to go and grow? Because we want to see more people come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Let me say again this morning that church is not about a building. It's not about architecture. People come to this church and say, it can't be a proper church. There's not a cross at the front. There's not stained glass windows. People actually get up and leave meetings wearing jeans. I mean, come on. This cannot be a proper church. It is a proper church. Because the church, friends, is you. The church is you. We've got a beautiful, convenient, purpose-built building to meeting. But that doesn't define us. It's not about a building. And I've said that a thousand times over the years. I still get people saying to me, this is not a proper church. Mansfield Field Mills is not a proper church. You better believe in this, friends. And it's been since week one because the people of God meet and praise the Lord. It's not about style. It's not about preference. It's not about organisation. All those things important. It's not about the nuance of your doctrinal accuracy, which causes you to fall out with everybody else if they don't quite see it your way. It's not about that. It's not about that. It's not about friends winning the argument or the debate. It's not about minutes. I've come to the conclu- not talking about minutes in terms of seconds minutes. I'm talking about those things that people write. I've come to the conclusion it takes us hours to produce minutes on a regular basis. But it's not about that. It's about people. It's about people. It's about people. It's about people that are big. It's about people that are little. It's about people that run companies. It's about people that haven't got a job. It's about wealthy people and poor people. It's about people whose first language is in English. You know, it's quite a surprise to some people to realise that God is not a middle-class white Anglo-Saxon. He really isn't. He can understand Italian and Spanish and Chinese and Swahili all at the same time. It's about people of different colour skins. It's about young and old. It's about married and single. It's about people at school and people at work. It's about blue-collar workers and white-collar workers. It's about male and female. It's about people. And the Bible says in Romans that God has not got any favourites. He loves every one of us equally. So why well, could God do that? Because he's God. Because he's God. You see, we sometimes relate the love of God to our we love and our bias for preference. He's not like that. He's God. And the Bible says, friends, that we are defined in our identity in Christ through simply faith in the Lord. That's our identity. Galatians 4 says that is how we identify ourselves. So here's this about people. There's no racism in the church. There's no chauvinism in the church. You can quote that verse about woman was made for man, man not made for woman. Until the cows come home, guys. It doesn't mean that you can just please yourself. There's no feminism in the church. There's no ageism in the church. There's no elitism in the church. There's no separatism in the church. Interestingly, friends, during the history of the church of Jesus Christ over 2,000 years, to the shame of the church, there have been people that have produced proof texts in the Bible to try and justify all of those things. And close scrutiny says that they don't stand up, because our identity is in Jesus. 1 Timothy two four says that God's not willing that any should perish, but that all might be saved. It's all about people. People, friends, that join together. And it's called church. And God gives us pictures in the New Testament to illustrate people coming together. So he talks about a body. And he says that the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. He talks about a building, brick upon brick, being interwoven by the mortar of the Spirit to produce something that brings glory to Jesus. He talks about a bride that's fit for Jesus and purifying itself it talks about an army that will take on the spiritual battles it talks about living stones that are knit and framed as God intends all this to bring people together with a spirit of togetherness here's what somebody said about the western Christian church he says it's suffering from a virulent virus called radical individualism in other words I'm going to do church but I'm going to do it my way The person went on to say, friends, that every renewal and revival of God's purposes in the history of time has not come through a solitary belief system, but has come through the manifest presence of the body of Christ that touches a needy world. You cannot do this on your own. It's about you identifying yourself with people. I understand the age-old joke that says church would be great if it weren't for people. The reality is, friends, I've sometimes said it. Just the matter is i love people coming together i love what god's doing in people's hearts i love that there's a variety across arena church and god knits us together for his purposes and for his plans i'm wondering in the moments that we've got this morning whether you can renew again your visionary purpose as part of this community of believers to say i'm not going to be like that bloke that's knocking people left right and center Because of my pursuit to get to something, I'm going to be something on the way to getting to it. I wonder this morning, friends, whether you can see afresh, even sometimes if you've been hurt by people, offended by people, disappointed by people, that you're going to run again to the heart of God that says it is all about people. That I want this church to grow out of my going to see all that he wants us to be in these days. Now I want to suggest three simple things as to why we do that. First of all, because God sees people that are lost. Lost. Luke 19 and verse 10 says that Jesus came to seek and to save those that are lost. The Bible describes people in many ways. One of the ways that he often does it, particularly in the Old Testament, but not exclusively, is to describe people as sheep. I have not time to go there this morning, friends, but the Psalms talks about sheep that strayed. Ezekiel talks about sheep that wandered. Matthew says that Jesus looked upon sheep without a shepherd. If you read the verse, it says they were harassed. And Jeremiah talks about sheep that were lost. If you've watched sheep in fields, you know that there's a great ability for them to wander off sometimes and get lost. A few years ago, I was in Toronto in southern Italy on a missions trip went out for a run one morning because there was no church meeting and got hopelessly lost, and I mean lost. I had no mobile phone with me, I had no money, I had no language communication, I didn't even know the name of the place where we were staying. Might have been a good idea to find out before I set off on this run. Four and a half hours later, severely dehydrated, I stumbled into the Italian police station. They thought I was Uh, An Albanian illegal sort of uh, 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 person. And uh, thankfully message had got round and an off-duty Christian police officer got wind of of my peril and came down on his motorbike to rescue me from the police. I want to tell you friends that every time I think about that story, I should. I was frightened. I was lost. I had no sense of where I was going. It was debilitating. It was lonely. And when my hands began to swell up because of no fluid intake over four or five years, being a man I've been sweating anyway because I've been running. It got pretty, pretty bad. I was so pleased to be embraced by the off-duty Italian police officer, a member of the church we were ministering. In fact, I'd never been so pleased to see a policeman in all of my life. Can I say this morning, friends, spiritually, it's a thousand million times worse See, to be lost means that we have no correction in our lives. To be lost means that we have no direction. When the riots kicked off on many of the streets of our great cities in the summer, somebody said this: He says, People are lacking a spirit, a moral compass, no direction. When we lost friends, we have no intention, there's no destiny, there's no purpose, there's no reason for getting up. And Jesus looks over lost people today. And he says, the good shepherd comes to lay down his life for those sorts of sheep. Yeah. Secondly, friends, God sees people that are loved. You see, sometimes we stop there and say, well, lost people, it's their own fault. Lost people, they need to get a grip. Lost people, they need to get a job. Lost people need to pull themselves together. Maybe this morning, as we were praying over John in prison, deep in your heart, you saying, well, he just needs to sort himself out. Jesus never talks like that. Jesus, friends, bathes lost people with a love that is incredible. He's loving far more people than we ever realize. And people in prison, and people today that are in institutions because their minds have gone, and people today that can't walk, and people in their 80s, 90s, and even the 100s that are dependent upon other people. The love of God is invading these places all of the time because God loves all of these people. And friends, I want to encourage you today not only to see people that are lost, but also to see those people through the eyes of God who loves them. You may be here this morning and say, I'm not a believer. In fact, I don't even think God could forgive me. And the list is going through your mind right now. You've been unfaithful in relationships. You've been dishonest. You've lacked integrity. You've used wrong words. And so it's going on and on. And here's the truth today. If you're trying to get to God by trying to sort that out in your own efforts, you'll never do it. But today, the love of God is washing over you to give you a brand new start. To see that there's a place through the desert where you can find the Lord. Philip Yancey, an amazing American author, says, there is nothing I can do to make God love me more. And listen, there is nothing I can do to make God love me less. He loves us. He loves us individually. He loves us unconditionally. He loves us continually. He loves us, he loves us, he loves us. If you're a believer this morning, you've messed up. If you're a believer and you think you've got it all wrong, sometimes it's worse for you because you have a knowledge of the truth. You know how you've messed up. It's the love of God that's going to create the new way for you to walk forward in your life. A group of students were talking to Carl Barth, an amazing theologian one day. and said, Mr. Barth, I wonder if you'd explain to us What is the great truth that determines your life? And Barth wrote many books and lectured many students. His theological capacity was perhaps without comparison in his age. And the students waited to hear of some great theological discourse. And he says, this is the great truth that defines my life. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones... To him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. God sees people that are lost. God sees people who he loves. And finally, friends, God sees people that can know life. John 10, verse 10, in the first part of the verse says, the thief, speaking of the spiritual enemy, comes to steal and to kill to destroy. Every week, Christian and me are comf- confronted with situations that reflect the first part of the verse. Sometimes it's heartrending, But I am come that you might have life. And life, in all of its fullness, literally means a superabundance of life. You heard in the leading of the worship this morning, that doesn't mean, friends, that we're not going to get any challenges. It doesn't mean that we've got not to confront real life and navigate our way through. But God Comes to bring us a superabundance of life. See, very often we think that life's absorbed in fame, that life's involved in earning a fortune, that life's involved in being famous. I was listening to watching Mick Hucknell a few weeks ago. i Am I allowed to confess this morning I sort of quite like Simply Red? I mean, they've come to an end, but but uh, the, the band's coming to an end and it was the final thing. And Mick Hucknell. If anyone anyway, you've read about, known, known, known he's done life as, as regards to people. He, he boasted in how many relationships he had with women. He, he drank himself silly on many occasions. But he always had this sense that he was going to be a successful pop singer. And he said, the thing that was scary about it, he says, that when I got to the top of the mountain, there was nothing there. There was nothing there. And lots of you have pursued things in life. We sing a song, Search Throughout the World. You're my only hope. And you thought, if I get that promotion at work, if I nail that relationship situation, if I sort out all my financial details, then I'll have life. And you get to the top of the mountain, and there's nothing there. Because as Billy Graham said once, within every one of us, friends, there's a God shaped hole that only He can. The thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. I want to tell you, friends, that Arena Church continues to raise a standard against the works of the enemy. We hate what he does to people's lives. And we're committed to going to people again and again and again and again. So that they might come to life in all of its fullness. And so baptism this morning brings us to a public expression of something that God has done in people's lives. An outward sign of an inward confession that Jesus Christ is Lord and Saviour. I'm thrilled this morning. I can't think of anything that fits better with the theme of the service than people confessing that Jesus has changed their lives. We're believing for hundreds, friends. We're believing for thousands in the days that lie ahead. We're believing, friends, that we won't be able to keep up with it. We believe that Dave and Terry and others are going to have to go on overtime to deal with baptisms. Because of what God is doing. And we salute you guys this morning. We honour you. And we know that in the next few minutes, you're going to be amazingly blessed through the step of obedience. Christian quoted towards the end of his message last week, one of my missional heroes, C.T. Studd. A number of reasons for that, but sort of last year at school, I got a prize at speech day. Can anyone remember speech day? For religious education. Well, I was not much good at anything else, but I managed to sort of still do that. And it was a biography by Norman Grubb, a classic biography called C.T. Stood. I just love this guy ever since. Just gave up everything. Renounced his aristocratic backgrounds. Enjoyed sporting fame through being an international cricketer. And went to Africa and India with the message of the gospel. If Jesus Christ be God and gave his life for me, then no sacrifice could be too great for me, for him. But what about this one? This is C.T. Stood again. He says, some people wish to live within the sound of church or chapel bell. But I want to run a rescue ship at shop within a yard of hell. He loved people. He loved people. It was all about people. At the end of the service today, you can pick up a little card. And it's just to remind you in this next season, it's all about people. Write three names on the back. Pray for them. You've heard about the power of prayer this morning. But also it's got text, call, email, coffee, lunch. In other words, just a reminder for you to intentionally connect with these people in the next season of life. Don't have to knock a Thompson Chain Bible over the top of their head to try and get them to come or prove that you've got it all sorted out in your life and they're just thinking, he knows so much, I'm never going to know that much, so I'm not even going to start the journey. You realise I would push people back at times by a lack of wisdom, but just simply friends pitching up with people that are lost and seeing that God loves them and we love them so that they might come to life. It's amazing, isn't it? The good news of Jesus is still changing people's lives today. All sorts of people. All sorts of people. Because God sees that people are lost. God sees that people are loved. And God sees that people can have new life. And Vision 3, friends, is no more complicated than that. It's to ask Arena Journey to recommit to that purpose as a core value of our church. That it's all about people.